0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer and guest host, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of templeofmiriam.com, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts and guests, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Papa G of the Lucky Mojo, of the Studio.com in Nashville, Tennessee, bringing us today's topic of how to use amulets, charms, and talismans in the hoodoo and conjure tradition. We'll take your calls and offer advice to ameliorate and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American post-magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and have called into the show, then you will be on air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts and guests and announcer, Catherine Ironwood, Jeremy White, Papa G, Schmidt Cat, and Chiva, and everybody else.
2: Thank you, Jeremy Weiss, and I know that was a surprise to some people. Um, so, yes, welcome back, Dr. Jeremy, and um so happy to have you here. Um, you almost sounded like a carnival barker there. I love it when you put your energy into it. Well, we have a slightly different lineup um, this time. Contraman, uh, who usually is my co-host, uh, couldn't be with us um, this week. He had to go to Washington, D.C., things happening in his life, and there he is. He's gone. But he'll be back. And um, meanwhile, um, we have um, uh, Dr. Jeremy, who has filled pretty much every slot available for filling on this show, from um, announcer to co-host to guest, and he's going to kind of pop in. Nagashiva's handling the board. Evan Lionheart, who usually does our announcing and, and um, handles the board with Sheba, he's he's off too. So it's just one of these days. Here we are. Um, I'm going to just quickly catch people up with what's going on with me. I'm struggling through um, making my videos for the Voodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th and 12th, 20. Uh, 20- 21 virtual hoodoo heritage festival and aren't i glad we decided to do it virtually what with the resurgent covid and i want to thank jeremy for pushing me past uh, the little you know self-doubt moments of making video so thank you jeremy <laughs> <It's>
1: just, <laughs> you're, uh, welcome. you're welcome you're welcome he's
2: very good at it he's a good he's a good
1: life coach if you need a life
2: coach Uh, Jeremy is a good one. So um, that's been my little struggle. I've also been having fun. I've been working on my uh, Patreon pages, inspired this week by a little private message I got from Papa G on Facebook. He posted some eBay offers for sale (laughs) of some rather odd-looking fortune-telling teacups. And he said, look at these, check out these fakes, he said. And I went, oh, no, 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 those are not fakes. And, in fact, I already had um, one of them, which I had been um, lucky enough to find from a British guy who had been in Japan in 2018 when they were offered for sale. And I got it in the original box with the Japanese instructions. And um, so... After just telling him, "Hey, they're not fakes," and going and buying a copy of each of them for myself because, you know, completism, And I hope you bought some too, um, Papa G, because they're going to go away
0: real soon. Um,
2: I uh, I decided to write a, uh, a Patreon page about them so uh, all my Patreon fans can uh, check out the the brand new web page just for patrons on the 2018. Ainsley, Rose, Cup of Fortune commemorative remake um, in the outrageous colors. I just—that's the only word I could say—and um, I I gave them a thorough review, colors and all. So my uh, thank you to my uh, sixty-five patrons who support my writing every week. I put out a new article for uh, someone to read, and uh, you can subscribe to those. In one year's time, they will be made available to the public. But if you want to be know right now what's happening with those crazy 2018 Japanese made-in-China vivid, vibrant, colored reproductions of the 1904 Ainsley-Nelrose Cup of Fortune, well, $2, that's what you got to pay. So, uh, i'm having fun with with patreon i really am meanwhile i've been uh, just hanging out making things for the shop we're going through a run of planetary and zodiacal oils kind of appropriate for that Rose cup of fortune which is planetary and zodiacal in its uh the form of its tea leaf reading cup and um we are low on everything, so I have been making stock oils for Cancer and Capricorn and Scorpio and Taurus and you name it, Jupiter, Venus, whatever we need. I'm up to my elbows in fragrances of the planets and the signs of the zodiac. So that's what's new with me. Now let me I find think out. You prof-
1: might give, I, I think you might have given me a, an original one of those teacups. I no. Think yeah. Ah, no, no,
2: no, no. I did not. I gave you a reproduction. I think. Did it come in a box with a with a little book? Yeah. Or, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, they, the 1904 ones don't come in a little box with a little book. What you got was a bizarre, unauthorized reproduction under the name "The Cup of Destiny" by Jane Lyle, which is Jane a flat out. Copy uh, uh, made for Barnes and Noble, and for some reason Ainsley didn't sue them. And I think the Ainsley 2018 commemorative cup of fortune is their move to try to reclaim that trademark. But it's a whole story that that you know will live in infamy. Um, but yeah, that's what you've got is, and actually, Jeremy, what you've got, and we sell them too. The Jane Lyle Cup of Destiny is actually a closer copy to the Nelrose Cup of Fortune than the 2018 Commemorative Cup of Fortune is. But it's not made of porcelain. It's it's just a teacup. What? Well, but the <laughs> the Ainsley ones are made of that bell-ringingly clear, thin porcelain. Ah, so nice. The one that sends tingles up your spine when you click it, you know, with your fingernail. Bing! Okay, um... So, Papa G, tell us what's up with you. Did you go buy any of them?
3: I bought a couple, and I, I'm actually looking right now. You <laughs> <She> made me <laughs> go to the book market so I can get it in a little bit.
0: <laughs> They're not be come like pur-
3: Purple, teal, yellow, um, green, red, and pink.
2: Well, I, I was calling them orange. It's kind of an orangey-red and, and turquoise. um, and uh, lime green. We're not talking, you know, like hunter green. It's I know. lime I call green. That owl, I mean, it's, they are
3: they are jello colors. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. why I thought they were bad. And, a- and they spelled nelrose wrong. It was it's spelled as it narrows, so I thought, oh, this is a big knockoff. So that's
2: <laughs> right. No, no, no. This, this shows. See there, and they're all being shipped from Japan. Although they were made in China, they are shipped from Japan. And Japanese people, and I know this from having worked on many reprints of Japanese manga. Um, uh, Japanese people don't distinguish between an L and an R the way that English-speaking people do. So what they wrote was narrows, N E R R. O-S, instead of Nell Rose. But I'll tell you, um, my my, uh, half-sister, Letitia, worked with me on those mangas, and they always referred to her as Retitia.
1: And and they wrote it out. They typed
2: it out. Dear Retitia. And um, my other uh, cohort on those comic books was Fred Burke, and they referred to him as Bulk which he thought was pretty funny because he felt he needed to lose a little weight, sled bulk and retitia. So, I mean, it's just they don't see the difference. I'm sure that, you know, God knows how many people try to say ha huh, and, and can't say it. You know, there's every language has a sound that no one, get, you know, I-R er in bird, that's real hard for people who are not American to say. And Irish. So we all have our little uh, I'm not trying to poke fun at the Japanese, but that's why they spelled it because it really is narrows to them. There's no L R distinction.
3: Hmm. Well, I've got and it's not, color and that's not Chinese. Fire. The
2: Chinese the Chinese would have spelled it Nelrose, interestingly. Anyway
3: gosh! We have, so, so
2: what have you been doing besides buying teacups, Papa G? Well,
3: I've been thinking of uh, a page at a year book and beating mm-hmm. uh, and uh, punishing myself, but for in writing two books at once. <laughs> I'm working on a book which will probably do that within about a month because I already started it, which is called Lenormand Basics: um, How to Read Lenormand Cards for Beginners. And then I'm working on another one called um, Casting Love Spells. So, I'm, neat. I, I, neat. I just got even deeper into the Lenormand uh, book by accidentally finding. You know, if anyone needs to find old web pages, go to that Wayback Machine because the, many years ago there was a place called the Lenormand Museum online, which had over eighty different cards. Um wow. and it showed you where they came from and what they were but it's not there anymore. And um hmm. so I went and found it. And it's you know, it's helping me good. build and show people this is the card that was from eighteen oh four. This is the card from eighteen forty, you know.
2: Mhm. Yeah. You have you very have helped neat. me
3: become a better book writer with some research and just when I think it's good enough I keep going.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Well, we we're, we're here to talk about our new book that we put out together.
0: Yeah.
2: And um we're going to ask, you know, Jeremy to play along and ask some questions. Jeremy has not seen this book. So, he's going to come in as sort of the naive questioner. Um we wrote a book called How to Use Amulets, Charms and Curios. And uh, like the uh, uh, Amulets, Charms and Talismans, excuse me. <laughs> right, I should know that. I'm looking right at it. And the the <laughs> skew the the skew for it is A C A. You did do three books at once. I did do three books at once, you've right. Uh how to use Amulets, the and Talismans in the Hoodoo and Conjure tradition. Physical magic for protection, health, money, love and long life. <clears throat> so this book is um a real uh, it, it, it started off as one thing, and it quickly mutated and grew like yeast. And I consider it to be the amulet equivalent to the book I wrote in 2002 called "Hoodoo Urban Root Magic," which um, contained 500 different herbs and with a spell for each one. This contains 153 amulets, and they're from all around the world. But uh, there are uh, some of them are roots, and um, you know that are used in hoodoo. Some of them are objects that have been sold in conjure shops forever, for a long time. And although you cannot trace them back to an African origin, they're part of the great American melting pot of charms and talismans that everyone had access to and were adopted for use in hoodoo. And there are pictures. And there, for all 153 amulets, there's a picture for every one. And I did the writing, and Papa G did the art. And some of the art comes from you know various sources that he cleaned up. Um, some of it, and some of the writing, which I adapted, came from a series of cigarette trading cards uh, called um, <clears throat> Will's Lucky Charms, and those were uh, uncredited. But I discovered by you know close reading of the text that they were actually uh written and illustrated by thomas william pavitt and so i was glad to give him credit for the first time because he's never been credited for those cigarette trading cards and they're quite beautiful and papaji you did a great job of cleaning them up for use in our book so at the back of the book we have a Uh, cross-index, just like in Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, called amulets for every condition. And you can look up, you know, let's say you need an amulet for health and you look up axe head. How come an axe head is used for health? You turn to entry number 11 and it'll tell you how. Or you might see heart or milagro or whatever it might be. And um, this is what it is. So so, Papa G. Yes, and I, I worked on this a long time. I mean, we worked on this, uh, my gosh,
0: <laughs> it was like a real
2: collaboration. But 18 years, 18 years, I think that's our I... life.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we, we really dove deep in making this book. And it, it's, it's really kind of a, uh, what can I say, it's really inspirational to look at, now that it's done, <laughs> to look at it and go, wow, that's really cool, you know. Um, a lot of people think of the charms that are used in hoodoo as just being, you know, like a buckeye or a mojo or something. But what's interesting is that hoodoo has always included many other things. Of course, there's the rabbit foot and the raccoon penis bone. They're in the book. They're in the book. But um, many people will use a scarab as a charm or a lucky elephant or they might, um, if they are... uh, into uh, you know Christian emblems of faith, they might use the faith, hope, and charity charms of a cross, a heart, and an anchor, and so this explains all of these. Plus, there were a few that are way out in left field, um,
3: like the. Um, there were a, there were a few that even <coughs> while we were on a conference yeah. call. He, Shiva and I both had to say we don't know what that is. What you know, Cat <laughs> explained it to us.
2: Well, I I've collected amulets since I was 12 years old. So this is really a pleasure for me to work on this. And um uh, some of them like the amanita mushroom. I mean, I know that was when you all went. What?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're going to wear mushrooms, you know. But um there was an awful lot of of um oddity in the in the thing. And um uh, you know, there's a this is where we've got to have to ask Jeremy to jump in and
1: ask us some questions. We'll answer. Well, good, because I have some questions, actually. <laughs> okay. As a consumer, I, I mean, you know, so my understanding is that the the book is laid out in such a way that uh, it's back and forth. You can essentially uh, look up an amulet, right, and and read about particular amulets, but then also at the end – if you had a condition that you wanted to address in, in the back of the book, you can look up that condition, and it will refer you to which amulets would work for that condition. Is that correct?
2: Both yeah.
1: ways. Yes. It's, it's, both it's ways. like a field guide. Right. And, and I see that you included um, birthstones, gems. Uh, you've got herbs and curios. Uh, bone amulets? H- h- how did you come to make all the of the, how did you divide, uh, uh, are these divided by culture, or are they uh, divided just alphabetically? How did you choose uh, to sort them? Well, we went they're back and alphabetical. Forth. But, we yeah. went
2: back and forth with different theories, and we ended up with an alphabetical list. The um, When we started talking about this, I have something called the Lucky W. Amulet Archive. It's been online since 1994. And when Papaji brought the idea of doing such a book, I said, well, you know, we can use some of the material I've already researched and published at the Lucky W. Amulet Archive. And among those uh, were the Lucky Charms cigarette cards, which... um, uh, Deacon Millet had given me a set of many, many, but way back in the late 80s or early 90s, he'd given me a set of those when he'd been traveling in England. And um, he'd picked them up there because they were published in England. And it was like one of my prized possessions. And I said to Papa G, well, we've got to get those in there. So there are 50 of those. So that gave us 50 images um, out of our 153. And then all that Papa G had to do was sweat, blood, and tears to clean them up. Um, because they were out of register, <laughs> and, and I now were yeah, and I and, now
3: have two copies of them—one from England and one someone else had. Well, yeah. you know, here, here, abroad.
2: Yeah. So, and, so that's kind of what started us. But those were written in such a way—they they were all amulets from the British Museum, and many of them were ancient Roman or Greek, and we. And I'm speaking here for Papaji too. We wanted to bring yeah. in stuff from America, from the from the teens, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and so forth, all the way up to the present day. And we also wanted to bring in more Asian things because uh, the Pavitt book had a few Asian pieces, but most of it was, you know, gold amulets from Rome. I mean, you know, that's the British Museum. You know what I mean? So we brought in, um, you know, all you know, magnetic Scotty dogs and. And a master route and other things like that,
3: and many things that were oh. Irish and Scottish. Um, You'll right. find those in there.
2: Yes, and some that are completely American. The Patrick County Ferry Crosses—that was the very first weird conversation that that I had with Papa G. I said, "Well, you're going to include Patrick County Ferry Crosses, aren't you?" <laughs>
0: I'm like no oh, idea what you're talking fun.
3: about. So I learned a lot she's <laughs> yeah. doing this book. Well, remember it started? It started that I had a book idea, and then I was going to do it. Kat was going to edit it. <clears throat> and as I got into this thing, I'm like, I learn a lot less than I think I do. So so, Kat said let's do it together. And then um yeah. And then all the pit. Then we're like, let's include a picture for every single one. So that's how.
0: You know,
3: Cat became the um, complete writer, and I became the complete illustrator. So,
2: yeah, and I got to say, Puppet G, I mean, you're known for your your books and your book production and your label art and all, but this is really you've gone above and beyond as far as doing the illustrations here. You've done a wonderful job. Thank you, so, thank you. Uh, look, See,
0: I learned uh, it, a
1: lot of illustration in doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, the, uh, the I haven't seen the book, so I, I'd like to know. As a root worker, um, do are there instructions about how to use each amulet included under each amulet? How how does that work? Well, yes, many of them, of course, are just what are called
2: lucky pieces or something made to be worn, or they might be, uh, you know, nailed on a wall or or hung in a car rear window. Um, you know, little stock for your rear window in your car. There's all of that, but there's a whole section on at, uh, on how to um, uh, choose them, and and, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a of an idea about that. So there are different. Um, first, thing we start off with a glossary. What's the difference between an amulet, charm, reliquary, sigil, talisman? I tell you, there's less difference because people use these words pretty loosely. Uh, it's not a hard and fast rule. And then we have a thing on natural curios, you know, like a buckeye, stone and crystal amulets, which are, you know, uh, you know, for different purposes. Like for money, you might use pyrite, you know. And then we have animal mascots, you know. So the image of a, a lion might be for strength or power, or the image of an owl might be for, uh, you know, a warning of death or whatever, or for power. Then we have a, a list of urban root curios, which is, you know, basically the same stuff that we would find in Huda Urban Root Magic. And then we get into what's the real meat of this, which is called artisanal charms. And artisanal charms are those which are created by an artisan. And they they break up into different types, you know, me and my lists. Received charms. And those are charms that are not chosen, but they're assigned to you based on your identification. By your name, by when and where you were born, by your family history, and it could include your zodiac animal, or your birthstone, your family coat of arms, a military medal that you know that for a regiment you belong to, and so forth. Then there's prescribed charms. Those are recommended uh, to, to a person by someone, and that might be a root doctor, a clergy member, a magician, a priest, or a market vendor who prescribes charms or fetishes and may not actually personalize it or fix it for you, but just say, you know what you need? You need an eye bead. You know what you need? You need a holy medal, and that's prescribed. And then there's the self-chosen. That's kind of like everything, but it also includes things like charm bracelets, charm necklaces, and the Stocknagel in a van which are all three of those cumulative. Each charm represents something you've learned, done, felt, had, a place you've been. And then the next
0: uh, uh,
2: kind is religious amulets. So these are, are either prescribed to you by a religious entity or priest or priestess or pastor or whatever, or you choose them because you identify with that religion. So it might be like the scapular of Catholicism or the the mezuzah of Judaism or the Chai, um, or it might be the Hote Buddha in China, whatever. It would be some religious thing. Then there's the reliquaries and prayer papers. So these are um, amulets that are hollow, and they enclose either a, a piece of something, um, a relic, like a lock of hair from a dead pet, or Uh, fingernail from a saint or something that's a reliquary and then there are also ones that have paper inside of them inscribed amulets and amulet boxes my favorite of these are the mezuzah which is jewish and the kavacha which is uh indian and uh, south asian all the way up into afghanistan and then there's talismanic seals and sigils, which are you know like the seals of Solomon and the seals of Moses and the Galdarbach sigils. And those can be put into something, but they can also be inscribed in bone or wood, or they can be cast in metal. Then there are mojo hands and conjure bags, and we all know what those are. Uh, little contained amulets with several things in them. And then there are pocket pieces, and those tend to look like... Um, Uh, Something solid. They could be either natural, like a buckeye nut. They could be a good luck token or a sex uh, charm. Um, And then the last one are charms worn as jewelry. Again, like the charm bracelet, but it could also be a pendant, a cross, or carried on a key ring, like a sex action key ring. So those are types of amulets, if you see what I'm getting at. And then all of these are then prepared, consecrated, and at the end of the book, I tell you how to do that, how you how you pray over them, how you um enchant them, how you put in astrological considerations and and what to do if your protective amulet takes a hit. You know, you're wearing that evil eye bead and the the chain <coughs> breaks. What do you do?
3: You throw it away? You bury it? No, no.
2: Yeah, you, there's a whole procedure you go through.
3: So many of them are are things you've never heard of before in or hadn't seen any of the books, so it's a good reason to pick it up. Like I'm sure people are wondering, because you said earlier, Lynch, wondering what is a Stocknagel and a Wanderstock? Because I think we <laughs>
0: kept that
3: one in because we liked saying Wanderstock. <laughs> well,
2: when I was a kid, there was a song called The Happy Wanderer. Um, Wanderstock is a hiking stick, German word for it. And um, Stocknagel means the... The nailed-on thing, the nagel means little nail, um, and it's the it's a little metal that you nail to your wunderstock. And of course, I'm I'm just incorrigible when it comes to musical cues, and um, so I would burst out singing, "I am the happy wunderstock along the mountain track," and so forth and so on. So my grandfather had um, a number of Wanderstocken because you fill them up with the little um, little medals that you put on them and then there's no more room. You have to get another van der <laughs> So I just wanted to give my, my um, grandfather a little shout-out for his hiking tours.
3: Yeah, I thought of them <laughs> almost, like the, almost like the stickers, the badges that people would put on their luggage in the 20s yeah. of all the places they've been.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Wanderstuck really is it's like it's like a little luggage tag or like a Boy Scout badge. But they're they are made, um and sold only at the location where they um you know, where you've gotten there. Like if it's at the top of the mountain, you know, halfway up there's a little uh cafe or whatever and you can or a tavern or something and you can buy the, the stocknagel for that mountain. And then you you go down, and usually the jewelers in the towns sell them, and they bend them to fit your Wanderstock and They nail them in very carefully, and that's it. That you, you've now achieved. You've gone to Innsbruck or wherever you're going to go. You know.
1: Oh well, I have a que- I have a question about that. Uh, if you, if you don't mind, I mean, it sounds like, uh, I, and I don't know anything about uh, Wanderstocken. Um, it sounds very uh, familiar to me as, um, you know, the last time I went to Disney World, they were giving the kids uh, various charms for each little activity that they completed and and accomplished. Um, So I can see how that is, is, yeah, you know, has made its way into uh, popular culture. But can both, either of you or both of you um, comment, my understanding is that, a charm as opposed to a talisman a charm usually has a, a singular function which is why people would wear bracelets with different charms on them you know something for luck and something for protection and they might choose their own charms do you what do you guys think about combining charms uh wearing Wearing, um, you know, multiple charms? Uh, do they cancel each other out? Uh, is there uh, <laughs> okay. interference? Can you have interference? Like, like uh, you know, if you're taking certain medications, you know, you have to make sure that you're not taking your aspirin and your cumin at the same time because they'll have it. Is there anything like that? Yes. First of all, you're right about charms.
2: Generally, a charm has a jump ring on it almost always a charm has a jump ring. Not always, but that sort of identifies which why it will go on a ch- charm bracelet or a charm necklace. An amulet, originally it meant protective charm, but now it's used to mean any kind of lucky charm. And a talisman is any kind of magical or religious object. And originally it meant that which protects or heals, but now people also talk about harmful talismans too. So there's, you know, and a lucky piece is a an object like a charm, but it usually does not have a jump ring. It just goes in your pocket. A lot of amulets. package amulet is wrapped or tied. I mean, there's all of these right. different little, you know, wiggly differences, but the word charm kind of encompasses uh, most of them. I think actually amulet encompasses more than charm or talisman. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the another out Um, I don't think they cancel one another out. There are charms that in themselves contain other charms, like the chimaruta, which is an Italian charm very popular around Naples, which looks like a sprig of rue, the plant rue or ruda. Chimaruta means sprig of rue. And at the end of the tips of the chimaruta, there are little buds, but not every one of them is a bud. Some of them are other charms, like a moon or a snake, um, and these are all added to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen. Right. that. And there's a lot of that. amulets
3: that are that are in, innately magical. You don't have to do anything to them to make them that way. Like, especially a lot of the mm-hmm. herbal and the root, the root ones, like um, High John the Conqueror root, is the easiest one for. We talk about that all the time on here. It just is what it is. You don't have to do anything to it to make it that way. Um, mm-hmm. In charms, like a four-leaf clover charm, you don't have to do anything to make it lucky. We know it stands for luck, even mm-hmm. though it's manufactured. Uh, you, you know, you can still anoint it with like good luck oil or something, but just it's very symbolism um, makes it what it is. It is what it is.
0: Mhm.
3: How many challenges so, uh, you need to make? Um. Mm-hmm.
2: So a jump ring. Uh, Jeremy asked, "What's a jump ring?" Um, so a jump ring is exactly what you think it is. Uh, an amulet that has a loop at the top or a little hole or a disc with a hole in it, in order to hang from a cord, if you put the cord through it, it goes through at right angles. So you need another piece to go in at right angles, and then the cord goes through that, and that aligns the cord around your neck with the amulet so the amulet lays flat. And the name of that is a jump ring because it jumps between those two places. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you
2: know, just to say... My first job in the jewelry business was to manufacture jump rings. And you have a little metal mandrel, and you have wire. In my case, it was brass wire. And you go round and round and round and round. Very, 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 very neat. And then you use tiny little cut-off pliers, with little cut-off, jeweler's cut-offs. And you go cut, 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 cut. And you end up with hundreds of little jump rings. And you get paid by the jump ring when you do it. I'm sure there's a machine that
1: does. I'm sure nowadays
2: (laughs) there's some giant machine in China that makes all the jump rings in the world. But I used to sit in Santa Fe, New Mexico on the floor making jump rings.
3: One thing I was taught, Jeremy, you asked about some of the the differences in them and and a way to remember is um, amulets are usually protective. They're meant to keep things away from you, so A, amulet, away, A, away. And talismans, curve, enhance your own power or bring power towards you, towards you, T, talisman, T, towards T, so A, away, T, towards. And mm-hmm. charms. I guess, they're just charming by nature. So, you know, <laughs> in, in, in order to charm something, you know, because charm originally was... Not an object, it was a spoken word. it meant spell, so mm-hmm. these are sort of like them, little medall- spell medallions now, I guess
2: well yes charm to charm is related also to the word enchant, and to enchant is to sing a charm you know is sing a spell into something. And charms are very charming. Um, you know, I'd like to get into a couple more of the, you know, the weirdest ones in here. And I don't mean to say that, um, you know, to somebody that's, well, my grandma had one. But to other people, they are weird, you know. so uh, <laughs> Unusual. Unusual. You know, unusual. Unusual. Okay. So the seven Greek vowels, that's one that always struck me as sort of interesting, you know like the seven Greek vowels. It's like A-E-I-O-U, but in Greek, right? Um, that is a well-known ancient charm. You'd kind of wonder about that. But the seven Greek vowels were at one time a very popular charm. Another one that I really um, like a lot is the, um, the eye-in-hand charm. So this is not a hamsa hand, although that may have an eye in it. This is just a hand with an eye in it. And we usually find them carved in bone. Um and it's usually the rib bones of cattle and they are uh made in India. They've always been made in India as far as I know. They just it's an eye hang, uh, in a, a sort of slanty eye in a hand with little fingernails on it. Uh, another one that's really fun for me is the charm stone because um I like it. The charmstone is a California Native American stone, called a charmstone, although it really would be considered a double phallic fishing plummet. And a fishing plummet is a weight that's put on a net, like if you were going to um, trap fish in shallow water or trap a waterfowl, but mostly for fish. And uh, you're going to weight the net down, and then you're going to pull the net up. But for some reason, in other parts of the United States where there are fishing plummets, they're usually just a, you know, like a, a sort of a longish shape, like a cigar shape with a little hole drilled at one end. But in California, they decided to make them like, um, I guess you could call them double ended dildos. And they're about the size of a double ended dildo, and they're made of stone, and they're called charm stones. So that's a little unusual. You wouldn't wear one of those around your neck. <laughs> a little too heavy.
3: Also the uh another one 'cause 'cause if anything we've got to bring it up, this 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 one took me forever to get a picture of it, is that that bloody that Lucky Stone, the fish otolith.
2: <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> the, the Lucky earbone. Stone. Yes, the ear bones. Um Yes, and, and we have a picture of um, a beautiful little leather packet uh, containing those um, made by Angela Marie Horner, who is a member of AIR. She made that actual packet that's pictured there. Um, those little fish ear bones. Um, I love them. And then um, well, we also have, you know, the Maneki Neko, the, the beckoning cat. We have the Milagros, um, the pallad kik, which are uh, Thai phallus amulets. And we have the fascinus, which is a uh, Roman, ancient Roman winged penis. You know me, I like all that sort of stuff. I also wrote this book, Down Home Sex Magic, so why not? And Gnostic nails. Can I just say a word for Gnostic nails, Papaji? Oh, yeah. So Gnostic nails, um, these come from Pavet's collection, and, and um, Papaji cleaned up the image I believe somewhere in America there's going to be a blacksmith who's going to bring back Gnostic nails, and I sure hope they do it soon. Gnostic nails were were made for um, protection and for um, luck or whatever you wanted a Gnostic nail for, and they are um, made by taking a uh, handmade square nail, you know, that a blacksmith would make, and then using a metal punch, a stamp. And um, and stamping them with um, lettering, and um, they they also could be made of bronze. They were gilded. Um, they are fantastic, um, and they were buried with people's bodies to prevent them being um, prevent them haunting. In other words, kind of like you know putting the wooden stake in the vampire. If someone died, you'd bury them with a gnostic nail to keep them from haunting you.
3: Yeah, like the closest thing you found in Hindu would be like, you people using railroads. So you could
2: yes, use railroads. Use them bank, the same sure, way. or coffin nails. Yeah, but right. I'm just I'm I'm ready for the Gnostic nails to make a comeback. I mean, get them out of the British Museum and get them into real life, man. Somebody is going to be making Gnostic nails. The more I mention it, they will soon be available on eBay from
1: China. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> I have a I have a I, I I have a blacksmithing set up in a forge. I can do it. Wow oh, right. <laughs> so anybody wants uh-huh. custom ones custom ones I think I can do it.
2: Well I, I did a lot of um researching into these to try to get things that were unusual. You know, we all know what a wishbone is and we all know what a sterling silver replica of a wishbone is, but you know, the the real question is, you know, how many of us know what an omamori is
0: what? and
2: where you can get oh, an omamori and what, omamori, you would use yeah. An, yeah, what, what you would use an omamori for? They're from Japan. And, you know, what, in your flea marketing, as you, you know, wander about, you might say, what is that thing anyway? And uh, there you would go. Now, omamoris are protection amulets, but originally... Uh, mamori means protection, but they're used now for anything. Safe travel, for marriage, l- good luck, winning the lottery, you name it. Like many things that started off as protection, they have become lucky. And they are souvenirs at Buddhist temples in Japan. And the Buddhist monks, you know, raise a little money by selling the omamori, which now the Buddhist monks have taken to eBay. And you can buy genuine omamori uh, online without ever having to go to the temple
3: yeah yeah Kat, in the middle of writing this book I, I bought um for or for the store several different charms, and one of them was um the alma mooring mm-hmm. and i just got a dozen because i I thought well, most people won't know what this is, and they were gone in three days,
0: right.
2: <laughs> right. there, I have I have a collection of them that a friend of mine who um, is Japanese and was born in Japan, she and her family in the in the summer when she was, you know, uh, she was a school child, and they would take the children out and they would go on these tours. Uh, you know, let's go to this and that shrine, and they would always get different omamori. And she gave me her childhood collection of omamoris, which was very cool. So oh, I kind of grew, grew, grew to like them Dean mentioned
3: the story of um, You educated me on um, it, was, it was when you tell me Why my picture of the Shiva Lingam stone was wrong You said I thought that was interesting oh.
2: Well, uh, that's just me um, Shiva Linga stones are You know, they're a stone from the Naramada River And it is a place where apparently some iron-rich meteorite struck this uh, rock and it kind of made this big splash of iron red that all kind of got together. I mean, it's, it's what it is. And in the place where the two layers meet, or several layers meet, you can carve out these shiva linga sometimes shiva linga linga means sign or symbol and shiva is the god and his name means auspicious so shiva linga literally means auspicious symbol but what it really is is sort of an elongated egg shaped but it's supposed to be the penis or phallus of shiva or the god rudra who preceded shiva and um these stones are carved out of the bed of the river, and they should, a really good Shiva linga should have red on the tip and then mostly be gray. And the reason for this is that the if you're a Shiva worshiper, the tip, that reddish tip represents the glands of the penis, and the gray is the shaft. But if you're a devotee of Shakti or of the goddess, it's that um, Shiva is empowered by having sex with the goddess, which would be either Durga, Kali, Parvati, whatever, your local goddess, while she's on her period. So the tip of his penis becomes red with the blood of the goddess. And this kind of goes along with the well of Kali. There's this well where the iron water, it's very red. And so that's kind of where that's at. So, yeah, when you picked Shiva Lingam, you picked out one to illustrate, And it just had little red spots on it. And I went, not good enough. (laughs) (laughs) And of course I
3: had to say, why?
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. And so to me, the the, the extra, the true, the real ding on sich is the one with the red tip. And preferably the red tip should be at a slight slant, kind of like the glands. I mean, you want to get a nice look to it, you know. Um, shiva lingas come in all sizes, they, ca- they come as you know, big as my room but um, the little ones, the very little ones that are an inch to an inch and a half long are often worn by devotees of Shiva, they're put in like a little case and they're worn the very devoted devotees of Shiva who do nothing but just beg for alms and and you know go around as um, naked sadhus will wear larger and larger and larger ones until they're wearing like you know 10, 20 pounds of Shiva linga and there are people among the sadhus who will tie the Shiva linga to their penis and thereby weight their penis down, and they may even cut the suspensatory ligaments of the penis so that the penis hangs flaccid and is no longer are capable of erection with giant stones, and they find that they can lift these stones and walk with them. And if you go online, you can find photos.
1: Okay. What, Dr. Jeremy, no comment? Uh, I, 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 I knew a sideshow hey, performer right. who had the same act, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> so that's my only comment. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, Dr. Jeremy is the author of a wonderful book of divination called Mancy, And I've been trying to convince him to write the companion book, Fallomancy. And, um, uh, you know, Tricks and Treats with Penises it would be the subtitle, you know.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> How to Hang a Rock from Your Penis. I don't know. There's, you know, one thing about charms and talismans is that they are very culturally normative and and yet, when looked at by another culture, you kind of go, "What? You know, like serpent or snake bracelets. Many many cultures have them. And other cultures go, "Ooh, it's a bracelet in the form of a snake. How gross! Snakes are evil, 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 right? Or there'll be um, a shark tooth. And uh, the shark tooth became real popular among surfers, especially in California, where there are a lot of sharks attacks on surfers. And the idea was that if you had a shark tooth, it would protect you from being attacked by a shark. Totally new belief. It, it just came up, you know, after the 1940s, after surfing became popular, but there it is. And I've seen them for sale in surf shops, you know. Buy your shark's tooth, keep yourself protected.
3: And there, was, um, well, there was also different teeth and bones in there, too, that were... Um, that I found were interesting. I'm trying to think of a few that we actually we ran out of room and left out, and I'm going
1: blank. Um, well, uh, I have a question since I haven't even seen the book. Did, uh, did then this is a little bit, perhaps, maybe too jejune. But um, what about? The, did you include the Abracadabra amulet of Notarikon? Yep. Of course, oh, so abrac- so Abracadabra maybe like is on, is amulet. A
2: Amulet number one is the abracadabra, absolutely, um, and um, they're they're like I said. Hey, we, why would we have the six, uh, the seven Greek vowels if we didn't have the abracadabra? They come from that tradition, and and there's all of your your favorites. You know, the arrowhead, the anchor, um, and there's also, uh, like I said, a lot of them that come out of folk magic, like devil shoestrings is included, mm-hmm. and other you know G- uh, gator
3: paw yeah like, like yeah keychain.
2: yeah that's right, little John Chew is here and and uh the key you know the key amulet and um and of course the mojo, the Mercury dime, they're all in here too, so don't it's not going to be a hundred percent surprises. I'll tell you that rabbitfoot is in here, but um, I think that some of them are kind of cool, like um also we were able to correct some. Oversights on the part of the original uh, Pavitt material. He had a a figure that was called grotesque figure, and it just bugged me because, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what's a grotesque figure? So I had to start doing research on it, and I found out that the grotesque figure is actually called a sepik figurine of a Juan or wakan ancestor. And I was able to find it out because he said that it had been found in New Guinea. And it, it is um, it's a talisman that's worn by the Latmol and Sawos people on the Sepik River in Papua, New Guinea. And it's a miniature of a life-size carved wooden ancestor statue called a wan or wakan, which are only kept in men's ceremonial houses to terrify and scare away evil spirits. No two Sepik figures look alike. Each figure is owned by a specific clan and it is named for an important historical clan ancestor. So these wakins or wands uh, keep the, away the um, evils of sickness which is caused by bad spirits. Only men may wear them. But I, I left it in because, of course, there's a beautiful illo of it, but we sure took away the name grotesque figure because, you know, really? <laughs> so, um, those are... Those are things that you would not find at your local metaphysical bookstore. And, and there's you also a
3: not few g- for um people who uh, on a are on a more Celtic path, I guess better what you say it, Celtic or pagan. There are some things mm-hmm. like that in there too too, like the Clotta, um mm-hmm. the um and Booth, the mm-hmm. uh, the Raven. Uh, we mentioned mm-hmm. the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the pentacle. The pentacle. Mm-hmm. So it, and the shield and the gig. Over. Yeah. So it crosses over all these different um, cultures. There's something in it for everyone. Yeah.
2: And and I think that one of the things that it helps people to understand is, I mean, yes, this is says in the hoodoo and conjure tradition. People are going to say, aren't you using that loosely? But, um Where I grew up and all across the country as a kid, when I'd go to conjure shops, whether they were um, in Detroit, in Chicago, in Oakland, in Los Angeles, you'd go in and they had a variety of things because um, all cultures like the idea of exoticism and all cultures like pretty things. And so hoodoo early on adopted many, many pretty things and many exotic things that did not come from African-American culture or from African roots cultures. And the Kavacha charm, for instance, which is an an amulet tube that's hung horizontally from chains, uh, which is um, found all over India, northern India, and like I said before, up into Afghanistan and and Pakistan. And uh, Kavacha charms were sold by L.W. DeLorence and were marketed, and you could find them in hoodoo drugstores. All of the um, things that DeLorence sold went into the um, black hoodoo tradition. And you can even see that Harry Hyatt Interviewed people who purchased from De Lawrence and, and talked about it. And kavacha is an apotropaic amulet, and we need to bring up the word apotropaic here. Apotropaic is an amulet that um, repels or sends away unwanted things. So uh, kavacha is means armor, and so and that's a word that's used you know throughout South Asia and Eurasia. And so it's protection. It's a protection amulet. But what makes it powerful is the written formula that's inside the Kavacha. It's not just the empty tube. And it could be written in Sanskrit usually, but you don't have to write them in Sanskrit. You can write them anywhere anyway. And they're very similar to um, the Tibetan Gao amulet or the Jewish menorah or the ancient Egyptian inscribed amulet. There's, there, this style of amulet is found all around uh, the old world and wherever there's written languages, basically. So yet to me, it it was not terribly surprising to find a Kavacha for sale in a hoodoo shop because I'd already read the DeLorence catalog when I showed up there, but it was interesting that it was just accepted. Here it is. It's now part of hoodoo, and that's, you know, the truth and you can go was, online to eBay and find kavachas right now
3: mm-hmm. there was another one that, that we actually had to both go look up we're like what is this because it was it, it was in one of those wills illustrations that we did so we had to include it called the food stamp, and we're like what in the hell is a food stamp so, <laughs> so we look it up <laughs> and you know it, it is in the Tibetan practice of um, Buddhism it, it literally is. Think of an ink stamp. When you buy a stamp to, you know, hit on your ink pad and put on something. This was actually to stamp food. <clears throat> I mean, it, it put the impression in the little stamp in the form of the God Buddha, and you would stamp mm-hmm. it on to prepared foodstuffs for in for protection from powers of evil and that it could be for happiness and, and spirituality. But the point was you stamped it onto maybe I don't know, bread that was not baked yet. Um, or anything. Cheese, something. And then you ate it, so it put those intentions or prayers or in inside you when you ate when you ate it. So it wasn't the stamp itself that was a amulet. it, it is you're turning your food into an amulet. By using that stamp, yeah,
2: that's that is that one is fascinating to me, and the stamp that that um, Pavitt used as an example uh, was a relief carved, so it made an embossed image of a Thai Buddha, and so we also have the Thai Buddha amulet as an amulet, but this was the same thing, but it was used to stamp your. You know your bread or whatever your non whatever you were making. It's um it's a fascinating thing that you would have such a amulet in your house to stamp your food.
1: Have you ever heard of that Very before, onion. Jeremy? Uh, <clears throat> no, but I do see uh, stickers on fruit at the at the grocery store a lot. So
0: <laughs> uh, maybe I
1: could, I could use those as an amulet. You guys? Well, you, you mean like they on, say cuties on them or something. Right, or Chiquita or something. Yeah, sure. Um, did you guys touch on the priestly blessing, amulet, you know, the amulet um, from Kifer Himonim? Mm-hmm. That's a, two, did you touch on that in the book at all? No, um, I I don't think we
2: got into that one. We had to leave a few things out. That for the
1: Terrors of the Evil Eye book. Perfect. uh,
2: Well, this is an interesting thing. This book, we put out three books this year, and this book is what I call the, the, the linchpin between the two because the Evil Eye book has some of that in it, and it has some of these amulets, and Down Home Sex Magic has some of the sex amulets from this book. So this book is going to be kind of a universal decoder for other books. Um, you should kind of... sell them in a three-pack. Yes, that's right. We should sell them. Well, they are in a three-pack, sweetheart. If you go to the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, right?
3: And you will a Thai Buddha amulet, get, too.
2: Get, you get all three books and you'll get a Thai Buddha amulet as well. That's right. All right. Um, I thought I heard that little bumper music, and um, so how about we give it over to Jeremy?
1: All right. Well, support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading from a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com and by the crystal silence league a free online prayer service of the association of independent spiritual churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org and now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our first client who is Kate calling from area code 703 are you there Kate yes hello ah great nice to meet you and Glad that you're on the show. I understand um, that you have not had a reading about this subject before, um, and this is a, a new issue, which i'm I'm going to summarize, so correct me if i'm I'm wrong. But you recently started an online etsy business for uh, handmade children's items. Is that correct?: Yes. And uh, you've been wanting to start this shop for fifteen years. She states that so far. She hasn't gotten any sales, but money and money is getting really tight and she's desperate to make it work so that she doesn't have to go back into big box retail. She also has been preparing to take a very intense certification program to be an X-ray tech. Congratulations. But retail has completely shattered her resolve and desire to work with people directly. Um, she's worried that the shop won't make enough to support her as well as being an, an x-ray tech mic. All right. Well, Kate, we're going to start with
2: the first question from Jamey. What is the name of your Etsy
0: shop? Caught Fireflies.
2: Caught Fireflies?
0: Yeah, like C-A-U-D-H-T. I caught C-A-U-G-H-T? Yeah,
2: that's right. Spell correct. it out for go ahead and put it in the put it in the chat. Um that's um yes. And so is said going there now. <laughs> that's really good. Thank you jamais. That's what a good helper does. We're going to we're going to see what's going on with that. Now my next question is what sign of the zodiac are you?
3: I am a Leo sun, Pisces moon. Oh.
2: That's a, that's a difficult combination. You, I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. But um that's almost a split between your public persona, the Leo Sun, and the the more emotional um inner world, the Pisces moon. Very interesting. Miss Michael says she thinks she's read for you and says hi. All right. Hi, Miss so, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've got a, a large chat going on here. So I'm going to um ask you, first of all, a a question about the x-ray tech thing. Have you worked in the medical field at all previously?
0: Not in a professional sense. I've done home health care for relatives and, um, you know, uh, hospice care for relatives, but not professionally. Okay. And about
2: how old are you? 34. 34. Okay. You're still well within the the realm of time in which most people figure out what they're going to be doing for a living. So um, I'm going to read the cards, and I'm going to look at this from the standpoint of two questions. Um, will the shop take off, and what, what would be recommended to get the shop more publicity? I am going to say just something from my perspective before I read the cards. Hot fireflies does not sound like fun to me. If I was doing fun clothing for children, I lived in the Midwest briefly and people caught fireflies and they were so cold and cruel about it. They wouldn't let them go again. They just let them die. And I was like, "Oh, oh. see, well, well, you know, I grew up in
3: Virginia and we always let them go. And caught fireflies is about the liminal the liminal space of childhood. You can't keep them.
2: Yes, right. Well, that's that's true, but I'm just saying caught is not a word that will resonate with all people as a pleasant experience. So I'm going to just make that recommendation as a potential buyer. Why would I want to buy something called caught fireflies? I would think, is there something wrong? So you might want to have um, happy fireflies of some sort rather than caught. But let me go ahead and make the card reading. I am a kind of a branding expert, too. You know, that's just one of my little hats I wear. Chasing fireflies.
3: Chasing fireflies, yes.
2: Yeah, yes. So so the first uh, card I have here is a difficult card. It's not a good card um, for the shop. And the card is called the tower. So this shows um, some... You might have to sort of tear this thing down and start again in some way. If you haven't made sales... There's, you know, you you haven't either haven't advertised it enough, or you're going at it the wrong way. This card, the tower, shows um, uh, things falling apart and not not doing well. So I'm not here to give you a great happy hand, answer that this is not going to take off right away. And it does show um, perhaps rethinking it, maybe working with someone who is a branding and marketing helper. Um, I certainly know people who offer that kind of stuff. Do you have um, a web page in addition to Etsy? Uh, no. I, so let's start I, I did, off with but I yet. couldn't
0: afford to keep
2: it. Well, why don't you just get a free one at Wix? That's good. Or what we believe. You need help. You need more help. Yep. <laughs> you need more help do, in this reading. Do you
3: have a business
2: to I'm going right. to say tear it down to the bricks and start over again and look at it from a really basic marketing position. Are you making the clothes yourself? Yes, and the toys. And the toys. Okay, great. So the next card is really a good card, and that's the Empress. The reason I asked you if you're making things yourself, this is a woman who is a powerful woman. She's a craftsperson. She really has what it takes. She's sitting on a throne. She's sitting outdoors in nature. And she's got a scepter in her hand. She has 12 um, stars in her crown, which stand for all of the signs of the zodiac. She has a little field of barley or wheat in front of her, which stands for her ability to to cook she 's wearing beautiful clothes she 's got these pillows everything is really great. You want to show more love you want to show more um, invitation. I think you need to do you need to be that empress Empress is a great card, and it shows you you need a little bit more self empowerment and The third card is. Another trump. Now, this means I've got three trumps in a row. Now, a lot of people go, oh, my God, it's all trumps. But trumps is just a suit, uh, like wands or cups. But I have three trumps, and the third trump is the world, and that is prepare to be seen. So this is a naked lady, and she is the same lady who portrays the empress, the same Nice lady. It looks just the same lady. And she's inside of a, of a ring of bale oil leaves with four animals around her watching. You need to be seen by all four types of people, earth, air, fire, and water. So that's what I have for you. Let's um, turn this over to um, Papa G, and he will do a reading for
3: you. I am actually using the Lenormand deck. I, I like to call them down and dirty cards. I was pulling them when uh, you were talking with Kat, and it's very similar. Um, the reading is very similar. Um, it starts with the mountain card, which the mountain is about struggle. You know, it's almost like walking uphill. How can I get this thing going? It's like i got to get to the top of the hill so I can begin to roll the money down it. And the card that comes behind it, well, Norman's are red in pairs, so it's, it, or something when they're merged together is the fox card, which is, you know, the fox card is about walking up on um, an unhappy surprise. It's a, it's like an ambush card. In this case, it's almost like ambushing yourself because it's right beside the book card. The book is about knowledge, more things you need to learn to get it um, going and off the ground. Um, in this case, it may be, do you have an Instagram account? Yes. How often do you post to it? Not very. Haha. Uh-huh. ha And do uh, <laughs> so you need that? So there's some things you need to learn, because um, I can tell you from someone who has an online business that there is much more work involved in promotion and showing yourself off than there is in the actual product. Uh, you spend a lot more time on the um, uh, the glitz of it, putting it out to the public, so you can be seen more so than making the product. So you have to, you know, balance your time there. Because the next card is the crossroads. Um, I lay these at six at a time because I go really quickly. Crossroads, you're going to have to come to a decision to change some things a little bit. You're going to, have to learn a few more things because then we have the stars and the sun. And the stars means you have lots of different options that you haven't explored yet as to how to make this um, bigger, um, more successful. In the end, it shows it will be as long as you um, go back and rethink um, how do I make me the one people want to come to for this. It's all about showing yourself off. But tell me again, mm-hmm. uh Kat did ask you your sign of the zodiac was did you say Leo?
0: Yeah, Leo's son Pisces Moon.
3: Leo has no problem showing themselves off. That's, That's right. That's what you do. <laughs> so this should be easy <laughs> for you. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, do some research on Instagram marketing, um uh, on your face should a Facebook page, a web page. Instagram that you post to at least twice a day. Um, It doesn't have to be thought out long or anything like this. It can be as simple as a picture. Look at what I made today. It's available on my Etsy. And business cards, you give to anyone you meet while you're having a conversation about it. Um, So there's just really some more work to do, more setup work. You're already uh, into the business, but there's some stuff that should have been done in the beginning that now you're going to have to go back and fix.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think this is absolutely right. And i got to give credit. Jamais is uh, talking about um, use hashtags in Instagram. Absolutely post at least once a day or twice. But um, also... Jeremy just posted in um, Jeremy. Maybe this is the root work offer. Can you just repeat this offer that you just gave?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, uh, first, uh, uh, I'd like I I I, I want to echo that as a person um, myself, you know, a, 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 a root worker myself. I have my own business, just like you, Kate, and I'm I, and. I, what these people are talking about, what Miss Cat and and pa, and Papa G are talking is are talking about, is extremely important. Branding, branding, branding. Social media, social media, social media. These are all important components that you have to have um, uh, in place. And and just hanging out a sign these days saying I do X is not is not good is not good enough. Unfortunately, so. Um, with that said, I happen to bring something a little bit different to the table as a root worker as I'm also a vascular and interventional radiologist. So I have worked uh, for a zillion years, decades, with X-ray techs and people going to uh, become an X-ray tech and a uh, radiation and, and uh, radiology tech. And I would be happy to discuss that with you as a free consultation, just to discuss that um, as a career possibility and option, and and what that's really like, and and you know, and you can just book a a, a consultation on my website. I won't charge you, and we'll just talk for half an hour, and um, I'll tell you all about what it's like to be an x-ray tech, and you can ask me any question you like. Thank you so much.
3: Wonderful. I do want to, before we go, I want to mention something Onyx Rose suggested in the chat room as a name, a possible name for you, was Firefly Kids. And let me see the two reasons, or at least the one main reason, I think, why this is a better name is because kids, is an SEO for, for your SEO, your search engine optimization, and
0: mm, that's catching
3: right. or or um? Would you, is it catching? No, it's a caught? Caught? No wait, What did you say?
1: See, yeah, I can't caught,
3: even remember what you fire said. Fire, yeah. None of that has to do with children. Um, how was it? Children, kids, whatever. Just like Lucky Mojo Curio Company. Um. Mojos, they know it's about it. That's involved in hoodoo. Curios, all the curiosities she sells.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: there's your, get yourself up in the search engines, and they know what you're talking about. So Firefly Kids was Onyx Rose's suggestion.
2: Yeah, that's a beautiful suggestion from Onyx uh, Rose, because you, it, it, every word in your name, every word in every post you make should have some thought to who the audience is. And um, definitely Firefly Kids, that's a great name. It gives you it gives you the lightheartedness of, of Firefly, the mysteriousness of Firefly, the you know, the transient nature of childhood, Firefly Kids. It's really great. Thank you, Onyx Rose. Thank that, you. That's brilliant. Also, I'd like to talk to you about um free sites. So just very quickly, you can get a free site at Wix or at Weebly. Um and they um, if you like if you like the site you can then pay a monthly fee and they will take the wix or weebly name off so it will be like wix.fireflykids.com and then if you pay them a fee you build the site and if you like it you just pay them the fee and then it just becomes fireflykids.com they are the registrar of the site very simple very easy to use i recommend wix or weebly either one to anyone who wants to have a site uh to as a starter site don't rely on etsy to be your only uh, source. Um, do you have paper business cards? Yes. Okay, good. You're gonna to have to have them remade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need you need a name that's really attractive. That that tower card says. I mean, you're gonna tear it down to the bricks and start over again a little bit there. Um, business cards are good. That, Give them
3: out. At, buy that dot com even before you think you need it, so it's yours. Even yes. If it's part exactly. Of it Right. On
2: your business card, you're going to want your um, your uh, email address, and don't have it be something at Gmail. You want it to be at the site that's your site, because that shows you really own your – it's a Leo thing. You're going to own your share of the world here. If, let's just call mm-hmm. it fireflykids.com, and it's going to be, you know, um, order at or, you know um, – your name you know kate at firefly kids you want you want to show that you've you've done your your you've built your base your your base and to be seen um bay leaves are, in, are used here in this card of the world i would um recommend doing some um Getting some you know bay leaves, writing your your wishes on them, and wearing the bay leaf in your shoe that's a typical old fashioned spell. Let every step lead me toward success or toward money or whatever it is you want to be led toward. Bay leaves are also used for protection, but in this case we're going to use them to lead you toward the treasure of of what you want um, if you uh Find groups. Um, It was suggested find mother's groups in your city. Offer um, some sort of a freebie and, um, you know, participate in local groups. Do you do that? Uh, I haven't because of COVID. Of course. Well, yeah, um, yeah, COVID does kind of limit everything. Um, It was also recommended here to... um, you can uh, take a picture every day of something, put it on a cute background, and uh, post it on Instagram. It's a job of work to do that, but that's the cost of running a business from your home rather than paying rent. If you prorate it, if you think, oh, God, I've got to take another photo today, Jesus. And if you compare that against 1500 or 2500 or $3,000 a month, real cheap to take those photos. Mm-hmm. So take the photos and post them. Okay.
3: And it, I mean, go it, it, into it takes the, a while. I mean, we just hit two thousand posts and, and ten thousand followers. Once you hit ten thousand followers, you can add your link to your stories. Um, mm-hmm. But it took it took uh, I think three years to get to that.
2: Right. That's right. It's it's not um, getting to that kind of numbers does take a lot of posting, a lot and hashtags. Okay. All right, well, Kate, we wish you all the best and go for it. You can do it. All right. Um, so now I'm presuming the next thing up is our network schedule announcement from the Firefly Squad. <laughs>
1: All-time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with our special guest, Papa G of The Mojo Studio. Take it away, Papa G! Thank you, thank you, Jeremy,
3: for that enthusiasm.
1: <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> I wanted to do a spell that was, uh, you know, centric to the book. And, and you know, Cat writes about there's um, there's some doorway charms uh, you can do. There's boundary charms. So what I did was a doorway and boundary charm spell. This is to keep evil away from your house and invite the good things inside. So there's some things you'll you'll need, which is like a um, fourth a cup of sugar and a fourth a cup of salt. You need two small jars or some container with lids. <clears throat> the uh, four-inch um, small spell candles, what are called chime candles. You'll need one white and one black. Some cast-off evil sachet powder. Some house-blessing sachet powder. Uh, two cross charms, you know, charms of little, you know, religious crosses, and some dark blue embroidery thread, or bright blue. So what you're going to do is you're going to fill one of these jars with the sugar and the other one with salt. To the sugar one uh, jar, you're going to add a tablespoon of the house blessing sachet powder, and in the jar of salt, you're going to add a tablespoon of cast-off evil sachet powder. You stir them all together so they're all stirred up really good. And then you're going to put uh, one cross charm in each jar and screw the lids on. Um, The next thing you'll do, you'll take the white candle and you'll burn it on top of the sugar jar. You'll take the black candle and burn it on top of the um, salt jar. And if you want, you can pray while you're doing this, that this... uh, uh, cross, the sugar will, you know, will bring good things and good people into my life, into my house, onto my property. This um, one with salt and this black candle will drive away people that uh, mean me harm, don't, uh, don't bring anything good to my life. And if you want, you can even anoint both those candles with those sachet powders. Uh, so the next day, after these burn done, you're going to open the jars, and you're going to take out the crosses and set them aside. then what you're going to do is you're going to walk to the end of your driveway with a jar of salt and begin throwing handfuls into the street. Not in your driveway, but you're standing at the end of the driveway, throwing it into the street street until it's all gone. When you finish, you take the jar of sugar. You go to the end of the driveway, but this time you're going to turn around and face your house and begin throwing handfuls up the driveway while walking towards your house, bringing these sweet and good things to your property and into your uh, house, so when you finished taking a uh, blue embroidery thread and you can use blue rope some, something that works like that. Blue is the color traditional for like evil eye, so that's why I chose blue. You cut off a piece about six feet long and then double it over. If you want you could triple it over to make a thicker piece of um, thread. And then tie both of those crosses onto the thread. Just tie it through there. Nail the thread in the space between your front door and the storm door. So if you have a storm door, or where that would normally be, that um, threshold. Um, if it's not really possible where you live, just hang it on a nail or a tack just inside your front door. You could put it on the outside, but the weather may, you know, rot away the thread. And what it'll do is it will keep the bad out and invite the good in. So that is the free spell for this week.
2: That's really cool. That's that is um, a really neat way to work. Um, a cross is, of course, symbol of Christianity. If you don't use a cross in your religion, again, you would just use the symbols of your religion in. The salt and in the sugar. So, for instance, you might use a um, Star of David for the um, protective part, you know, or an evil eye charm for the protective part. You might use a high for uh, the the goodie el- the good luck part. Um, it's a Jewish charm. There's many ways you can customize this, personalize it, and make it work for your cultural religious background. You know, right. who knows? You might end up putting a a Sepic f- figure of a wan ancestor. Who knows? <laughs> you know, you know but, my, my but the first idea thing <laughs> is
3: to go really older with it. But I didn't think people would do it It'd get a bigger jar of salt, and you do it for nine days.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But,
3: but that's a lot of commitment for some people.
2: So. <laughs> yes, yes, and also just a little reminder: don't be throwing that salt on your lawn or on plants; it will kill them. Um, so into the street with it, it'll just wash away harmlessly into the um, sewage. But um, the uh, sugar, uh, you know, bring it up toward your house, sweetening toward your house. It's a lovely way to do it because then the amulets have been consecrated with those two elements and they now will work for you uh, the way you want them to. It's a really nice, nice charm. I'd also say that if you wanted to do any kind of um, Uh, you know, amuletic work, and you want one to repel and one to uh, attract, you can go into the back of our new book, um, How to Use Amulets, Charms and Talismans in the Hoodoo and Conjure Tradition. And in the back, there's a whole section of protection charms, and there's a whole section of good luck charms. So just as an example, um, for the protection you could use a chimaruta, you could use a crescent in hand, devil's shoestrings, a Z-bead, an evil eye charm, an eye agate, a kavacha, um, a, a pallet keek is used for protection, but only sexual protection, um, a mezuzah, or so forth. And then for the um, good luck, what you want to draw into you, you could use a cornucopia, you could use an elephant, four-leaf clover, any kind of good luck token, a hagstone or holy stone, Hijon the Conquer root. In other words, the uh, the two charms are based on your interest in, in charm magic. Okay? So, yeah. And in the, yeah, in the I chat, made this,
3: um made this cell up so you can remake it any way that fits your path <laughs> or tradition. <laughs>
2: Yes, right. Um, Onyx Rose in the chat said, Haint blue is said to ward off. Well, haints, so blue, yeah. And um, there's a a whole thing in um, the book, Terrors of the Evil Eye, which we're going to be discussing next week about blue threads, blue amulets versus red threads and red amulets, and also we have black threads and black amulets. So... Stay tuned next week. We're going to get deeper into this from the um, Terrors of the Evil Eye version. I want to thank everybody who's in the chat. We have a nice full chat group today. I'm going to uh, turn this over to Dr. Jeremy, and he's going to run us through our announcements. Take it away, Jeremy. <laughs>
1: well, thank you both, uh, Miss Catherine Ironwood and Papa G, um, for being our special guest this week. We invite you all to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers will be two young up-and-comers, Ms. Catherine Ironwood and, wait, some guy I don't know, Dr. Jeremy White, um, and bringing us the topic of their new book, Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed. Once again, we have come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Bootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Kat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Papa G of themojoStudio.com in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, um, joining you from the Temple of Miriam.com in Seattle. Um, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, and the shows are available via the archive at uh, luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. I finally got it right! Yes! Thank <laughs> yes. <laughs> you! <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you so much, Jeremy, for coming back and announcing. By the way, this was a two-tourist show, but it's a three-cousin show because I just noticed that Jeremy's cousin, my cousin, Clifford Lowe, is in the chat room. So two-tourists and three-cousins mark this as a very special show. Go out and buy your tickets for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th and 12th. It's virtual. Don't worry about the COVID surge. It won't get you in your home. Don't worry if you are vaccinated, not vaccinated, mask, not mask. Just sign up and buy your tickets. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night.